All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back once again on my own to head down to 1996 on the Monday Night War. The original mission has resumed. Today, we're having a look at the 17th of June episodes of Raw and Nitro. Obviously, if you've been listening along to recent episodes, The Outsiders have debuted in Nitro, and as a result, the ratings have well and truly swung in the favour of WCW. This week in particular, 3.4 up against Raw's 2.3 shows a big shift in the landscape of professional wrestling. Um, some pretty fun stuff on both shows. So actually, I really enjoyed watching these two episodes, and more importantly than that, uh, they lead into two big pay-per-views, which I'll cover on a very... Uh, an episode coming up very shortly with Carl when we have a look at the 1996 King of the Ring and Bash at the Beach. So that should be pretty good. Um, Sorry, Great American Bash. I always get those two the wrong way around. Bash at the Beach is obviously the big, big one where the third man will join. Um, and we're all looking forward to seeing Mabel's debut. So that should be pretty good. But I digress for now. We are going to go and have a look at these two shows. As usual, I watched Raw first because, you know, Bischoff likes to give away spoilers. As it turns out, he's not even on this show, so I was pretty safe. But nevertheless, we're going to go over and have a look at Monday Night Raw. opens up with a quick recap of the Stone Cold Savio Vega feud, which has been one of the better mid-card feuds in recent times. And then we go to our quarterfinal King of the Ring qualifier, Stone Cold versus Savio Vega, funnily enough. Austin jumps Savio early and stomps him, and we get a bit of a chop fest between the two. Savio comes back with an enziguri. It's a really good start to a good match here. And we get, of course, get the classic Vince-ism of, one, two, he got him, he got him. No, he didn't. Love it. Austin wraps Savio's Vega around the ring post and then hits him with a chop block. Savio comes back onto Stone Cold's leg with the same type of moves and showing some good aggression there as they hype Owen Hart and Miro as the next qualifier and a promo from the British Bulldog. Uh, We get a contract signing from Pillman, an update on that. We see a a little clip, so that's going to be something coming up soon. And then back in the ring, um, they're trying to, obviously, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit here because that's exactly what this episode of Raw did. They tried to cram everything in. You can tell they're feeling the pressure and there's a few little ploys along the way that you'll see them really hyping the rest of the night, trying to squeeze things over the top of things, so promos inset on matches and um, lots of little cliffhangers to keep you around from commercial breaks. Anywho, Getting back into the match, we see a nice crossbody for a two-count and a flying forearm for a two, both from Savio, as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, we get a nice slugfest and a spin kick from Savio, but Austin fights back and hits him with the Stone Cold Stunner. So I'm pretty sure this is a debut of the move, but the announcers were all over it, so well played. Yep, obviously that one will go on to be reasonably famous. One, two, three, Austin's going to go to the King of the Ring where the semifinals and finals will take place. 
From there, we get another recap. This time, it's the Undertaker Mankind feud, and we get a very brief Undertaker promo. Um, we're busy rushing into the next match, and Vince is talking at double the speed of usual, so pretty fast. <coughs> We go into Mark Miro versus Owen Hart next, which is our other quarterfinal comment. Uh, sorry, other quarterfinal qualifier, and um, Stone Cold goes to the commentary table, which is pretty cool. We get our Sega Satin Slam of the Week to really date this show, and it's a Jake Roberts DDT on Justin Hawk Bradshaw. We also give our condolences to Dick Murdoch here. So, a um, moment on commentary where they mention the passing of Dick Murdoch and bid their farewells. The match starts off with some chain wrestling, a hip toss from Miro, and a monkey flip, followed by an arm drag, a drop toe hold, and a backdrop. Then a slam, but he misses his stupid top rope sunset flip. As usual, wrestling, wrestling logic applies. Because he missed it, it hurt him rather than when he hits it, and it doesn't hurt. This allows Owen to put on a chin lock um, with the cast, so he's using that for some good uh, heel heat here. A nice spin kick for a two, a backbreaker, and a gut wrench suplex for a two before hitting him with a drop kick as we go into our next commercial. When we come back, Owen hits a suplex and puts on a Boston Crab. Mark Miro fights back and then hits him with a backdrop, a knee lift, and a victory roll for the one, two, three, and the victory. That's why they call it that. After the match, Owen Hart's pretty pissed and he nails Miro in the back of the head with the cast. And this brings out the doctors to check on Mark Miro. We sort of end scene, and then when we come back, JR's in the ring with the British Bulldog and Diana, while Miro is still on the floor, which is interesting. It will be Sean Wildman Mark Merrill still being attended to. For the WWF and Ross, he could use a little attending to. talked about rematch in decades in the WWF. I know you're physically ready to go, but what is your mental frame of mind? How confident are you that you'll be the next WWF champion? You know what, Jim Ross? I'm telling you and all these idiots out here tonight yeah. that the British Bulldog has got all the confidence in the world. Shawn Michaels, you messed with my most prized possession, my beautiful wife, Diana Smith. A possession? Let me remind you of one thing. I'm she is beautiful. Let me tell you something, Jim Ross. This Sunday at King of the Ring, I am going to take your most prized possession away from you, Shawn Michaels, and that's the World Wrestling Federation title. I'm going to chew you up and spit you out and bury you like an old dog bone, Shawn Michaels. (laughs) So heed the words of the British Bulldog, the World Wrestling Federation title is mine. This Sunday, the King of the Ring. Bulldog calls Diana his most prized possession. Says he's going to take Shawn Michaels' most prized possession, which is the belt. Um, And he's wearing the Allied Powers tights, which I find quite weird for a heel bulldog here. Michaels comes out, and they get into a bit of a pull-apart. We see some jobbers, along with Wurzel and Gerald Briscoe, in the melee as we go out to our next commercial. We get an ad for the Superstar line, and apparently five new superstars are coming, so interesting to see who they are going to be. Assuming one of the five is Pillman, but we'll see who else they've got in store for us. And then we've got um, 
here's where I get confused, actually. Um, so I said Miro was still on the floor, but the Bulldog and JR were in the ring, which was a little bit weird. And I checked myself here because afterwards Vince told us that JR and the Bulldog were actually in a different arena. So they were cutting between clips of those two in a ring at a different show whilst then showing Miro on the floor, which just made really threw me off. It was quite confusing. Jerry Lawler then interviews Aldo Montoya. I'm not sure why. Um, I am actually sure it's an excuse to attack him with the microphone and hit him with a pile driver. Jake Roberts comes out, but Jerry Lawler legs it out of the ring. Um, and then we go to the Brian Pillman contract signing segment, which I'll splice some in here. Everybody for being here. I'm normally not this choked up, but uh, the events that have taken place in my life just in the past eight weeks have really changed my, the future of my life. And um, from going from a point not knowing if I was gonna live or not, to standing here, signing a contract with the World Wrestling Federation, it's a dream come true. And it's an opportunity that very few athletes get and I'd like to thank JJ and Grilla and the rest of the uh, my now extended family here. Thank you very much. A really good segment and highlights Pillman as being a big marquee signing. We then go to our main event, which is Goldust taking on Jake the Snake Roberts. Vince McMahon says he hopes Goldust likes his snake raw because he's going to eat a big python here tonight. And I thought, mm, I don't think that's what you were going for there, Vince, somehow. Goldust stalls as the crowd goes into a DDT chant. Goldust grabs Jake Roberts' ass, then stalls some more. Jake Roberts spanks Goldust, and I'm wondering exactly where this one's heading. Before we get a hip toss and then a double screen effect, like I said before, trying to cram too much in. And it's Mr. Perfect speaking as Jake goes for a DDT attempt. Um, so he gets cut off. He fails and we go back to Perfect who says after the match, um, who says that after the match, we'll name a special referee for the title match. And then we um, go to a commercial break. Obviously, they're trying to get the ratings in here and trying to keep you hanging on until the end. Goldust sits on Jake Roberts' face, which is a little bit weird, and we get some house show commercials. Goldust goes for a leg lock and then throws dust in the eyes of Jake, picks up the one, two, three, but referee Harvey Whippleman spots the dust on Jake Roberts' face after the fact and reverses the decision. Goldust plays with um, Jake Roberts a little bit while he's blinded, and Jake, being the wily veteran, hooks him up and hits a DDT after the match. We then go back to Mr. Perfect, and he's with Jim Cornette. And Mr. Perfect is announced as being the special guest referee for the upcoming pay-per-view match, Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog. Um, as you'll have heard on the previous Raw and Nitro episode, Cornette announced that he was given the power to choose a guest referee. So that throws a little spanner in the works. Perfect and Michaels have had an on-again, off-again feud over the early 90s in the WWF, and they're definitely referencing some of that here. So very, very interested to see how that one goes down. That will do it for Raw, and we are going to head down to Memorabilia Lane now. Peace, God. Peace, God. Now the shit is explained. I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through Memory Lane. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all. It's like that,
Today's memorabilia lane is a tale of regret or a heartwarming story, depending on how exactly you look at it. See, I went to the um, 2014 Survivor Series in Missouri as while I was in America on my honeymoon, I went solo. My wife and daughter were not too interested at the time. It was very cool because I got to see the debut of Sting as well as the big um, Authority vs. Team Cena 5-on-5 Survivor Series main event, which I really enjoyed. I actually got a ticket last minute. This wasn't something that I planned months in advance. I had my eye on it and couldn't decide if I wanted to go or not. And checking up on the um, secondary sites for ticket buying, I noticed a ringside seat, third or fourth row, come up. It was pretty expensive, but I was going solo, so I only needed one ticket, and I snatched it up, and um, really good news when I got there, actually. They'd set up a... Something about the camera setup had changed, so they moved me to front row, either first or second row. I think I was in the first row um, score, and you can see me on the network if you go and have a look at that pay-per-view flashing about my Manchester City scarf. But the memorabilia side of this comes from the fact that because I was ringside, I got to take home my chair, Except for the fact that I don't live in America and was holidaying over there. I also had a hire car. I'd driven myself there. And I was thinking, oh, we've got to, we had to get a plane the next morning. We're heading over to Florida to take my daughter to Disney World. And I thought, what am I going to do with a steel chair? Like, I can't take throw it in my suitcase. It's already pretty full. Um, I don't want to pay carry-on. You know, I don't want to pay for extra luggage to Florida, then have to pay back to New York, then back to Australia. So as I'm walking out towards my car I was at stopped at a, a crossing and some kids were saying oh cool he's got the chair and um you know very interested wanted to know if they could have a photo with the chair and I said I'll do you one better I gave them my phone said you take a photo of me with the chair and it's yours and they snapped the photo and I gave them the chair and made those kids night and yeah I'm very happy for them but I'm disappointed that the only pay-per-view I've ever been to I don't have the chair home um had I thought about it I probably could have just gone to a post office and sent it home to myself and saved all the hassle but I'm not upset that I didn't too much <laughs> that will do it for today's memorabilia lane and starts with Pyro, and as usual, we get Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco for the first hour. Tony Schiavone actually tells us he'll be doing both hours this week because of the heinous attack the outsiders put on Eric Bischoff, and we get a rundown of that with still shots of the Great American Bash, and they show the start of the Bischoff angle, but tease that they're going to show more later on, so both sides of the fence are doing that right now. Our first match is Stevie Ray taking on Rick Steiner, um, both part of pretty decent tag teams at the time. Stevie Ray jumps him early and hits a clothesline before a slam and elbow for a two. 
Rick Steiner comes back with a belly-to-belly and a top rope bulldog for a two, which is quite cool. Stevie Ray comes back with a power slam, and then Rick Steiner hits him with a clothesline for the one, two, three in a very abrupt ending. Booker T comes out and hits an axe kick before Scott comes out and hits a beautiful-looking powerbomb. Um, sorry, Stevie Ray gets up and hits a powerbomb, and Scott Steiner comes up to make the save but gets nailed for his troubles. Um, it was Stevie Ray with a beautiful powerbomb, not Scott Steiner. We then go to a commercial and American Males promo on the way out. These little two, three-second promos I was telling you about in previous episodes. From there, we go to a pretty sharp dropping match quality. It's Disco Inferno taking on Joe Gomez. This is a short one. Um, Disco hits an arm drag before Joe hits one of his own. We get a drop kick and a swinging neck breaker from the Disco Inferno, who wastes a bunch of time after the move. Goes for the pin, gets a two, and Joe Gomez hooks him into a crucifix from that pinning position for the one, two, three, in a really nothing throwaway match as we go to a commercial. When we come back, Gene is with Liz, Deborah, Woman, and Flair, and they cut a promo on the Macho Man, which I will give you a little listen to here. We are back with more WCW Monday Nitro here on TNT. I feel a little uncomfortable. i got to be very candid with you, Ric Flair, after all that has transpired in the last 24 hours. Elizabeth, please, woman, don't get involved here. And you... Deborah McMichaels, I have never been disappointed in any one person like I have been disappointed in you last night at the Great American Bank. What I, made you do that? I had to do it. Well, for one thing, it was great company, and for the money. I hate to say it again, it was for the money. Greed rares its ugly head, and I'll tell you what, the recently reinstated Macho Man Randy Savage, we saw him last night. You saw him. You got a real good look at him. Look at the monitor, Gene. Look at what the world's looking at. It looks like a Vogue cover. That's what's going on. It's Deborah. Woo! It's woman, old woman, won't you marry me now? And it's Liz and Macho Man. Mongo. Now. With that 10-carat diamond Super Bowl ring. Goes like this. We're reunited, brother. Woo! And it feels oh so good. Kevin Green lays in a hospital bed in Charlotte. Front page. I'm not going to tell the story. It was big. But now tonight, Macho's reinstated. He wants his money back. Yes. Quality of life. Yes. Most of all, he wants... I told you before, Flair. Elizabeth back. She's not going to cross that line again. Macho, right here. Nitro, firsthand. You're going to find out why I'm on top of the world. All right, that's going to be about a half hour. I'm the nature boy. Macho, you're mad, you're sick. But tonight, you're going to get hurt and hurt bad. You know why? Wow. Because I'm going to style and profile. Wow. Gee, look at the girls. Yep, Smell I can... excitement. Richmond, Virginia. Next week, we're coming to Charlotte. Woo! Bright lights. Big cities. Tonight, Macho, you go down. I don't know. I have talked Woo! to the Macho Man, Randy Savage. You know, this guy's a little loony. You they know all that. think I'm afraid of him. You know, they're all saying when Macho Man gets a hold of Flair, he's going to tear him up. Not going to happen. I'm standing my ground, Macho. Thank you. Tonight, Thank you. Thank you. We are all out of Woo! time, Deborah. I can't believe it. Right now, let's get you back to more action. 
After that, it's time for Arne Anderson and Chris Benoit, the Flair's four horsemen teammates, taking on the American males. Shivani tells us about the fact that three men will be drawn from six of the top names in WCW based on past championships, win-loss records, and other considerations later to face the three men coming, uh, the Outsiders and their mystery man at the next pay-per-view. We get a roll-up from Scotty Riggs early, but we also see that Benoit has got a massive ugly black eye from his brawl with Kevin Sullivan the night before, which I'm looking forward to reviewing. Riggs hits a backdrop and a drop kick, and Bagwell hits an Enziguri and a drop kick before Benoit gets his knees up on a big splash. Buff goes for an awkward-looking backslide for a two before Benoit comes back with some chops and a back suplex and the top rope headbutt for a two. Arn cheats to get huge pops from the crowd. That's right, pops, not heat. The horsemen are very much more popular than the males. Benoit hits a suplex, um, gut first on the ropes and then to the mat and gets a one, two, three. Gene comes in and they cut a pretty basic promo on the horsemen to reasonable cheers from the crowd as we go back out to commercial. From there, we go to another pretty poor match, um, one that's a few years past its use by date. It's John Tenter taking on Big Bubba. Uh, we get a bit of an outside brawl uh, to start with, as Larry Zabisco tells us John Tenter is the size of the national debt. That's a bit harsh there, <laughs> Zabisco. Um, that's almost enough to earn you a dick move of the week. Tenter hits a drop kick though, which is incredible. Um, and then Bubba pulls in balls first into the post. Tenter hits a power slam for a two, but he lets him up for some reason. And then hits another power slam and puts his feet on the bottom rope for the one, two, three in unnecessary cheating, which I didn't understand at all. Really weird ending. Um, Bubba then gets a loaded sock. They didn't tell us what it was loaded with. Um, I dread to know. And nails Tenter with it. Um, Gene then gets Jimmy Hart and Bubba in the aisle, and he cuts a really poor shouty promo. This was nothing of his early 90s boss man fire. This was pretty lackluster. From there, we go to a commercial, and when we come back at the end of hour one, it's Gene with the Macho Man Randy Savage, who has been reinstated, and I'll let you hear on what the Macho Man has got to say. Ooh, yeah. Back live with more WCW Monday Nitro. We're back in the locker room area. The highly anticipated matchup between this man just recently reinstated. Remember, he has been kept away from Ric Flair for the last five or six weeks, with the exception of last evening, and you only touched on it. However, tonight, in just a minute and a half or so, Macho Man Randy Savage, you and the Nature Boy straight ahead, what's your game plan? Usually my plan is no plan. This time, tonight... Don't blink, because I'm going to take my time. I'm going to be calculated. He is preoccupied with the women around Man, is he ever. And he doesn't understand that he's in a lot of trouble because I won't go away. Mean Gene Okerlund, I'm not all there. I admit that. But you know what? I'm staying in the WCW forever and forever and forever because there's no man that can put me down, nature boy. The macho man. Do you understand that? In just a little while, I'm going to be walking down that aisle. In fact, I can't wait. I'm I, going now. I have a question for you before you leave, macho What's man. Your question? Did you seek any kind of treatment, any kind of psychological help, behavioral help? Yes, I did. I saw a woman psychiatrist. 
and she said it was OCD, one cool dude, and she understands the way I think right now, and everything's cool, everything's copacetic, everybody's happy, and I'm happy too, because I'm happy about what I'm going to do right now. Check it out. I'm going to check it out. I thank you, the macho man, Randy Savage. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, he was just reinstated over the weekend by World Championship Wrestling. This is the first opportunity that he officially is going to have a chance to get his hands on the nature boy, Ric Flair. Ric Flair has made a public spectacle out of his relationship with these gals, and especially Miss Elizabeth, the former ex of the Macho Man. Right now, let's get you back up to the ring. Yeah, classic Macho, and um, he's going to be chasing the horsemen around. Um, and then we go to Macho Man and Ric Flair, and he's literally chasing um, Bobby Heenan on his way out. Um, chases him from the ringside, uh, not the ringside area, to the ringside area from the commentary area, and Bobby Heenan escapes and gets back to commentary. Flair comes out, and Heenan, as I said, gets back on commentary. Flair comes out with the three girls, gets on the mic to wind up the Macho, and the Macho Man jumps out after him, gets the mic, and says he's going to kick his ass. So, yeah, Macho's got some fire. He's all over him as we go to a commercial, and when we come back, we're in a crowd brawl. Uh, Macho pours champagne all over him, sends him back in, Flair flops, and then does the Flair flip, and we have another commercial during this one. Macho sells some, and uh, no sells some chops and hits a top row back handle, but Flair goes for the foreign object, only gets a two, Referee gets bumped. Macho hits a low blow. He did say back in the early 90s that if he was fighting Flair, he'd happily cheat. So, you know, no surprises here. Top rope elbow. Goes up for another one, but the girls jump in and stand in between he and Flair. Macho says fuck it and jumps anyway, and they get out the way. He nails Flair. But Benoit comes out. Eats a pile driver from Macho. Arn Anderson comes out and gets sent flying out the ring. But this brings out Mongo Last, the newest horseman, who hits Macho with a steel briefcase, drags Flair on top, and Flair picks up another victory over the Macho Man, which is only going to enrage him more. From there, we go back to the locker room area where Gene is with Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan, and the Giant. Kevin Sullivan cuts a promo that should have been mocked on a, out, on a blooper reel from Ted. Um, and the giant says he's the best in the world as we go to a commercial. So there you have it. It's a weird, weird fit. Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan, and the giant. We get the 10,000th Glacier ad of this sort of last month or two in WCW. For the love of God, just debut him already. We then get more still shots of Bischoff being sent off the stage, and we get Gene interviewing Rey Mysterio before his big title match against Dean Malenko. Ray lands on his feet from a monkey flip early on, which is quite cool. Um, hits a springboard moonsault into a cradle for a two. A Dean Blanco hits a clothesline and a backbreaker, a back suplex, and then hits an electric chair for a two, a powerbomb for a two, a fallaway slam for a two, and locks on a camel clutch. This doesn't last long, and they're back brawling on the outside. Ray hits a runner on the floor, followed by a top rope sunset flip, and then a victory roll, all garnering two counts before Dean hits a reverse DDT for a very abrupt end as we go to commercial. We get another giant Jimmy Hart little promo on the way out to the commercial too, just a quick 10-second clip again. And when we come back, it's time for our big main event, Scott Steiner challenging the giant for his World Heavyweight Championship. Steiner attempts a German suplex early on, and that's just not going to happen. Giant works over Scott Steiner's injured ribs, and they brawl along the outside as we go out to a break. 
We get a camel clutch, a leg drop, a suplex, and clotheslines him to the outside, all from the giant, before Steiner decides to think a little bit smarter and goes for the leg with a chop block. Locks a sleeper on the big man, gets him sort of worn down a little bit, and then hits a T-bone fucking suplex on him. Yes, on the giant. That was amazing, and the crowd popped massively, and it gets him a two count. He then gets a wooden chair and breaks it over the giant, and this just pisses off the big man. Um, he no-sells it, and boom, chokeslam, one, two, three, in a match that made the giant look like a fucking monster. Great stuff. Have another ad break. Then Gene comes out to announce the three-man team for the bash at the beach. The six they had to pick from are Hogan, the giant, Flair, Macho, and Lex. Oh, and Sting, sorry. And Gene tells us that Sting, Lex, and the Macho Man have all been chosen. Heenan and Shivani sign us off, and we have our six men ready for the next pay-per-view. So, pretty big stuff going on in WCW. And King of the Ring has all been set up in the WWF, so let's head over and see which one we thought put on the better show this week. As far as match quality, um, the big one, I thought WCW won this one. They did have a couple of stinkers, but I wasn't a fan of Goldust and Jake being such a stally main event. Austin and Savio I liked, but it's a feud that I don't really love. And Owen Hart and Miro was not as good as it could have been considering the two guys involved. So Steiner and the Giant was quick, but I loved it. Stevie Ray and Rick Steiner also quick, but decent. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I just thought WCW's action was a little bit more action. Malenko and Mysterio was short, but again, probably the best match on either show. So the big one out of the way goes to WCW right away. Production value, I also went with WCW, just because I don't love the 10-second sort of outro promos that they're doing, the promos on the way up and down the ramp and the pyro and the swapping over at halfway of the commentary team, but it's all something new to what we've seen before and the WWF's idea of stepping up their game was to try and shout over the action they were already presenting about more action coming up later and it just yeah it wasn't so great crowd heat also went to WCW they popped huge granted for the horsemen who are heels but also um, for some of the other stuff going on with Macho Man with Scott Steiner and the Giant and a few other things along the way so they were definitely a hot crowd WWF crowd actually surprisingly was really into Jake Roberts Um, I like Jake but he was well and truly past his prime here but it is what it is WCW took the cake on that one As far as storyline advancement, I thought it was a tie. They both really did push ahead their stories quite well. Macho and Flair is probably the best story on either show, but both uh, Raw and Nitro did a good job of advancing their stories. When it comes to characters on the show, I'd probably on this one go to Raw, simply because WCW's main focus right now is the outsiders who didn't appear. And of all the people in the running to face them we didn't see lex we didn't see sting we didn't see hogan um we saw macho man we saw rick flair and we didn't see lex luger either so you know of the potential eight men that could be in the main event we only saw two so um granted wwf didn't show taker or brett but i think they probably did have a little bit you know they had sean they had bulldog which is their main story right now and they had all the king of the ring guys pretty much coming in so (coughs) Overall, two decent shows, but Nitro definitely has the upper hand at this point in time. Heading into the King of the Ring and the Great American Bash, I'm looking forward to seeing what each um, what each show does. Sorry, um, Bash at the Beach. I told you I'm going to get those wrong every time. 
Duncan and I are coming up very soon. Are going to be finishing off our 2010 storyline arc. Carl and I will be re- reviewing the pay-per-views if I can remember which one to watch. And then Richie and I will be heading back down to the 80s again very soon. So thank you all for listening once again. And I will see you all very, very soon. Shout boxing and the Wu-Tang sword style. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Do you think your Wu-Tang sword can defeat me? On guard, I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Ghost face, catch the blast of a hype verse. My clock burst, leaving a hearse, I did worse. I come rough, jump like an elephant tusk. Your head rush, fly like Egyptian musk. Aw, oh, shit, you take clear, spark the wixen. However, I mastered a trick just like Nixon. Causing terror, quick damage, your whole error. Hard rocks is locked the fuck up, I found shot. Yellow style, hazardous, cause I wrecked this dangerous. I blow spots like Waco, Texas. I watch my back like I'm locked down. Hardcore hitting sound, watch me act broke and tear down. A little bit tight asshole. Songs going gold, no doubt. And you watch your corny make a foe. Yeah, they faking all that. Carrying gats with your mind playing, rolling like 40 max. Now you act convinced, I guess it makes sense. Wu Tang, yo, so represent. I wait for one to act up. Now I got him backed up. Gun to his neck now, react what? And that's one in the chamber. Wu Tang banger, 36 styles of danger. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the mother, bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Like porno flick bitches I roll with groups of ghetto bastards with biscuits Check it, my method on the microphone's banging Wu-Tang slang, I leave your headpiece hanging Plus this, I'm kicking like Seagull out with justice The roughness, just the rudeness Fuck this, red rum, I verbally assault with the tongue Murder one, my style shocks you not like a stun gun I'm hectic, I wreck it with the quickness Set it on the microphone, the competition get blown By this nasty ass nigga with my nigga Slave man boots, newbie crooks. I'm fucking up MC troops. I break loops and trample shit while I stomp. A mud hole in that ass, cause I'm straight out the swamp. Creeping up on sight, now it's fright night. My Wu Tang slang is mad fucking dangerous and more deadly than the stroke of an axe. Chopping through your back, psh, giving bystanders heart attacks. Niggas try to flake, tell me who wins them. I blow up this fucking prism, make it a vicious act of terrorism. You wanna bring it, so fuck it. Come on and bring the rockets, then I'll provoke niggas to kick buckets. I'm wetting cream, I ain't wetting fame. Who's selling game? I'm giving out a deadly game. It's not the Russian, it's the Wu-Tang crushing Roulette slip up, you get fucked like Suzette Bring the fucking rockets Bring the motherfucking rockets Bring the motherfucking rockets On guard, I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style So bring it